Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Employment Law Podcast brought to you by the lawyers here at EI Legal. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the Employment Law Podcast is a weekly podcast aimed at HR professionals, in-house counsel and really anyone who has an interest in the wonderful world of employment law. My name is Antonia Randalls and I'm a lawyer here at EI Legal. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Simon Obi and a very special guest, Alana Giddy, the, the head of HR for our good friends at Employment Innovations. Welcome both. Hi, now, <laughs> Hi. So now, those of you who are avid listeners of the podcast will know that each week we either discuss a concept related to employment law or we update you on a current employment-related topic. But before we dive into this week's topic, I wanted to quickly mention our discussion from last week. So last week we spoke about sexual harassment in employment, including the potential for an employer to be held vicariously liable for the harasser's behaviour and the reasonable steps that an employer must take to mitigate this risk. So if you, if you didn't join us last week, please go back and have a listen. It really is an important matter to be aware of. So... Now, on to this week's topic. As I mentioned before, we have a very special guest with us today, Alana Giddy, who is the head of HR at Employment Innovations. Welcome, Alana. Thank you so much. I'm honoured to be here. So, Alana is joining us today as we thought it would be helpful this week to explore the introduction of Victoria's Stage 4 restrictions. And Alana has been instrumental in assisting EI and its Victorian-based clients to navigate this space. So we wanted to share her knowledge directly with you. And also, as you may know, the Treasurer has recently announced some further changes to the JobKeeper scheme. So Simon is actually going to talk, um, talk us through those changes as well after we hear from Alana. So, Alana, first of all, I might get you to talk the listeners through a little bit about EI and your role as head of HR. Awesome. Thanks, Antonia. So, uh, Employment Innovations and EI Legal are part of the same group, but on the EI side, uh, we work across uh, HR and, and payroll and in the professional services space. So we work with small to medium businesses to help, uh, I guess, help them make sure that they're operating compliantly and also operating productively in both of those areas. Uh, we, as we would all know, it's really hard to navigate the areas of HR and payroll. So we aim to make that really easy for small to medium businesses uh, yeah, within my, yeah, within my role, uh, I look after our uh, HR operations team. So the team provide HR services from uh, advisory services through to quite senior and strategic HR partnering offerings. And uh, we've been guiding and coaching a lot of businesses in the Melbourne region uh, this week through the fast-paced changes that have, have come into place uh, relating to how businesses are operating and, and employment obligations. Yeah, great. Okay, so, so on that note, let's have a chat about those restrictions. So we know that these stage four lock, the Stage 4 lockdown has been put in place. So who exactly is impacted by these restrictions? Yeah, great. So the, 
Melbourne metro area have been put into stage four lockdown with a stay at home restriction, uh, which pretty much means that uh, if anyone can work from home, they should be working from home. Uh, the Department of Health and Human Services have released a comprehensive list of all of the industries and businesses that can operate and in what capacity. So uh, important that you're referring back to that list for your specific business to know um, the specific restrictions on your business. Uh, they've broken that down into those that uh, are unable to operate altogether, uh, those that can operate on site uh, with restricted operations, and then also some industry specific requirements, uh, particularly for those in essential services that have um, additional requirements regarding their operations. Uh, in summary, there's uh, quite a lot of uh, businesses that can still open. So supermarkets, grocery stores, bottle shops, uh, petrol stations, a lot of essential services, uh, banks, news agencies, etc. cetera. Um, but other businesses are needing to operate on uh, different conditions. So it has been, I guess, a, a big change in a very short period of time. So uh, it's really important that our businesses are across whether they're able to operate and then what it means if they can. Yeah. Okay. So if you are a business that is remaining open as a, as a business, what do you need to make sure that you are doing in that case? Yeah, so there are quite a few new obligations as an employer that have come in this week as a result of, of the stage four restrictions. So it's important people are across these. So I'll quickly run through them. Uh, the, if you are a workplace that is operating and open for operations for on-site work that is not working from home, you do need to ensure that you have a COVID safe plan in place and also to make sure that it's uh, regularly updated. So uh, a lot of us would have already had a plan in place. Uh, so it's important that you're reviewing that in light of the new introduction um, introductions. So um, definitely make sure you're reviewing that. Uh, as I said before, there's a requirement to ensure that workers that can work from home are doing so. Uh, so yeah, if there are any roles that can be done remotely, making sure that they are done so. Uh, there is now also a requirement to ensure that you're collecting records for all workers, contractors, subcontractors, or anyone else that is on site for longer than 15 minutes. So uh, that is a slight change. So important that you're keeping those, uh, those records as well. Uh, workers are also required to uh, be within that one worker per four square metre requirement if there's an enclosed space, uh, which is something most people will be quite familiar with already. Um, and then there's a whole heap of requirements around ensuring that workers don't come to work unwell and that uh, employers don't require employees to come to work unwell. You're not allowed to ensure, you're not allowed to uh, require workers to come to work unwell. Um, you are also required to send home any workers if they're displaying any symptoms and get them tested and you're allowed to bring them back into the workplace until that test has come back. Uh, so that's important as well. Um, they've also put in place requirements to notify a number of bodies if you do have a positive COVID test in the workplace. So you have to inform uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, WorkSafe, and then also ensure that you're uh, informing your internal health and safety representatives and following your internal uh, safety processes. And then finally, 
uh, which I think everyone is, is hypervigilant on, but ensuring that you're uh, cleaning your facilities regularly, all of your shared spaces and making sure that you have enough cleaning products available. And uh, the recommendation is to take, a, I guess, a risk management approach to uh, how regularly and um, where you clean. Uh, so any of those high touch areas, buttons and countertops and things, uh, you'd obviously clean them more frequently than other areas, but depending on your business, making sure that you're undertaking that risk assessment and implementing processes accordingly. Yeah, great. Okay. So even though some businesses have already um, put a COVID plan, a COVID safe plan in place, there are some additional requirements associated with that now. And so it's really important for businesses to, to be across those, those um, changes. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So we've also been hearing a lot about these new worker permits. What, what's required there? Yeah. So the, there is now a requirement, or this week there was a requirement that came in to have uh, worker permits in place by 11.59pm on Wednesday the 5th of August, and then your WorkSafe plan needed to be in place by the 7th of August, so 11.59pm on the 7th of August. So a few short deadlines this week that I'm sure people are scrambling <laughs> to meet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the worker permit uh, applies to anyone that is uh, travelling to the, to the work site. Um, and employers that, yeah, that do require staff to attend a work site need to make sure that they're um, signing and, and agreeing to this permit as well. It's ultimately the employer's responsibility to um, administer. There are quite hefty fines associated with not complying, and that's for both the individual and the business. So uh, I can't stress enough the importance of making sure those permits are in place. And there are, there's a little bit of a logistical process behind getting them done uh, you need to ensure that the employer and the employee have both executed the document and signed that uh, but the employee is able to travel to work without a permit once on their first uh, to receive their first permit so there's a little bit of flexibility there but not a lot at all um, so only once just to get their first permit uh, but from then on the expectation is that they carry that with them to and from work uh, at the, at the same time, if they are needed, needing to present their uh, permit to the authorities, they also need to ensure they have a photo ID as well, which most of us carry, but um, important to note. Uh, and the permit can also be held uh, not only in paper form, if people have paper with them, um, but also via a mobile device. So uh, it can be shown as a PDF or a screenshot or anything um, through your phone as well. So really important that the individual is holding that with them at all times. Um, the only other thing I'll quickly note as well is that permit details quite extensively the days and times that an individual would be required to be in the workplace. And if at any time those rostered shifts change or that work schedule changes, then uh, you do need to make sure that document's amended and then re-signed. So as much as you can be fined for not holding a permit at all, uh, you can be uh, penalised for holding an incorrect permit. So just make sure that your, um, your staff have a permit and it's up to date and you're continually updating that if, if your roster changes, which is relatively common. 
And Alana, where will um, employers find this this permit if they're looking to sort of fill one out? Yeah, so the uh, Business Victoria website have a whole heap of resources which have been great. Um, they have a uh, worker permit template and I'd recommend just using that. It has everything you need on it. Um, so you can download that in Word, for, Word version, complete it um, with all the shifts and then uh, get it electronically signed or physically signed um, by yourself and the individual. Uh, the Business Victoria website also have a couple of resources to help you build your COVID safe plan as well. Uh, now that the new COVID safe plan um, or there's a requirement um, for you to have the COVID safe plan by the 7th of August, uh, they have provided a, a guide on how to complete that and it is a great way for you to make sure you're not missing anything. Uh, your new COVID safe plan needs to have a couple of additional sections, particularly around uh, PPE or personal protect protective equipment, uh, at what level you're going to require that in the workplace and uh, how people are going to use that in the workplace, as well as uh, how you're going to respond to a suspected or confirmed case of COVID in the workplace. So, uh, definitely go on and, and utilise their resources just to make sure you're covering everything off. Uh, Employment Innovations have a couple of free resources as well, uh, including a COVID safe plan. So if uh, you do need any assistance and we have resources available as well. So, um, yeah, there's definitely help out there if you're, if you're feeling a bit out of your depth in creating all these lengthy documents. Yeah. Okay. No, that's great. And and is there anything else that employers should be aware of that they should be prepared for? Uh, look, the yeah, the the part I can't stress enough is your COVID safe plan. And also, once you've implemented your COVID safe plan, making sure that you are adhering to everything that you've committed to, um, and keeping it live and updating it, and you know providing it to employees, making it available to them and taking on their feedback. It really should be something that you're consulting or ideally consulting with staff about and then, you know, acting on any feedback they have. But definitely make sure that if you're committing to having, you know, X amount of hand sanitizers on site in an area that, that you are adhering to that. Um, as I said, there's templates available which have been really helpful and um, to a lot of businesses so far. So I recommend, recommend having a look at those. Uh, next thing is, I guess, ensuring that your workers have permits. Um, again, you don't want to be caught out, um, particularly at a time like this, um, you know, copying any, any fines or anything like that. Um, so make sure you're completing those, but then also making them as available as possible to employees to have um, at the time that they may be requested to show it. Uh, and then lastly, uh, making sure that you are keeping track of those in the workplace that are there for longer than 15 minutes. Um, I know there's been a requirement for quite a while now to be keeping track of who's in the workplace, but you know, those that are sort of ducking in and out, potentially you haven't been keeping track of, you know, your contractors or builders or cleaners and things. So uh, just make sure you're keeping track of, of those uh, people that are also attending the, the workplace as well. Yeah. Great. And, and if, if employers do want some some tailored advice or, you know, somebody to sort of guide them through a process specific to their circumstances, can they reach out to EI directly? 
Yeah, definitely. So uh, we've been helping a number of uh, businesses affected by the stage four lockdown over the course of this week and then also over the course of the last couple of months, given the stage three lockdown. Uh, our HR partners at the moment are providing a, a free one-on-one 30-minute consultation and a lot of small businesses and medium businesses are, are utilizing that it's a great way to chat to one of our senior partners and talk through any uh, sticky questions you have or, or anything specific to your business uh, we then also have a variety of other HR services ongoing that can help you through uh, what, what is probably going to be a bit more of a, a process over the coming months um, with the easing of restrictions hopefully um, but yeah we have a number of other services that we can utilize uh, as I said as well, we've got um, a suite of free resources on our website as well. So templates and uh, documents and information um, that's available to you for free. So uh, definitely don't um, sort of feel you're, like you're too in the dark. There's people that are helping and um, definitely utilise the resources that are around you. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for that, Alana. That's a, that's a a really um, great summary of all the changes that are happening. And I guess I hope that people feel like they are not alone and that they can reach out to EI. And as we mentioned before, and often mentioned in this podcast, Employment Innovations work um, very closely with EI Legal. And if there are issues that uh, EI identify that require legal advice, um, then EI Legal is, is here for you as well to provide some advice um, tailored to your particular circumstances. So, Simon, on, on to you now. We, we know that there's been some recent changes made to the JobKeeper scheme, which may uh, also directly impact uh, those Victorians that are currently uh, in stage four lockdown. Can you talk us through a little bit about sort of what is changing with the scheme and, and what's staying the same? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Yeah, I think we, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about what's being called JobKeeper 2.0. So the, the original JobKeeper scheme was, was set to end at the end of September and then um, it is being extended for a further um, six months, um, but subject to some um, new eligibility criteria for businesses and employees to to still be a part of the scheme and um, there have also been some changes to uh, the payments that will be made under the scheme so um, sort of subsequent to the announcements about JobKeeper 2.0 which came out a couple of weeks ago last night so we're, we're recording this podcast on um, Friday, the 7th of August. So, sort of Thursday night, um, there was some announcements from the government that there would be um, a revision and an amendment, I guess, to, to how JobKeeper 2.0 is going to operate. So, they've kind of taken a bit of a back step and, and they've changed um, the rules for JobKeeper 2.0 going forward. Uh, so um, I can talk through what we do know. Obviously, as I, as I say, it's it's only just been um, uh, announced and, and not uh, there hasn't been sort of like an official kind of guide put together about how it will all work. So um, as I say, we're 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 recording on on Friday the seventh, and there there will be more information coming out. So just bear that in mind and you know check 
check uh, the appropriate resources to, to see what has changed because I'm sure more information is going to come out on uh, Monday and, and, and through the rest of the week. But what, what we do know is JobKeeper 2.0, um, and I should say, um, just to clarify, that the changes for JobKeeper 2.0 will affect um, everyone in, in Australia, although it, 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 these changes have been made in a response, I guess, to um, what's going on in, in Victoria. Uh, the, the changes to the JobKeeper scheme as we understand it are, are you know na nationwide so originally what we were being told about the eligibility criteria is businesses would need to show um, a decline in turnover um, based on um, the same um, date in the previous year for, for two quarters so they'd need to show the decline in turnover from april um, to June 2020 and uh, July to September 2020 to be eligible to keep receiving um, JobKeeper or, or to receive JobKeeper for the first time from October um, going forward. Um, so that it, it was an initially a requirement for this decline in turnover over two um, quarters. What is now, what we're now being told is businesses will only need to show the decline in turnover um, for the July to uh, September quarter to be eligible for JobKeeper um, in October. So it's only the previous um, one quarter where the decline in, in turnover um, test will need to be satisfied. For most businesses, that's a a 30% decline in, in turnover that will be required. So I guess that's that's a, a good news story for um, for some um, businesses, it, it, particularly uh, if, uh, you know, things were starting to um, uh, starting to uh, pick up in um, April, May, June, um, and then have have declined as a result of these new restrictions. Um, uh, you're going to be eligible just if, if you um, can show that decline in turnover for July to September. It won't matter if, if things were looking good in the previous months but then took a dip. That's not going to um, uh, prevent you from being eligible for the scheme. The, se the, the second um, point to note is when JobKeeper 2.0 was first announced, um, it, it's been split into two periods. So there's a payment from uh, October to December and then a payment for um, January to um, the end of March. And to be, to be eligible for um, the second period, so from January to the end of March, businesses were told that they'd have to meet the decline in turnover for um, three quarters. So, so for the April to June quarter, the July to September quarter, and then the um, October to December quarter, they'd need to show that they'd um, met the decline in, in turnover test for those three quarters to be eligible for JobKeeper from January going forward. Um, we're now um, being told that uh, those rules are being relaxed as well. 
and um, businesses will have to um, show the decline in turnover for uh, October to December. Um, it, it's not it's not clear whether they um, can be eligible for JobKeeper for the first time in January or whether you would have had to have also um, uh, been part of a JobKeeper scheme for the October to um, end of December um, period, but that, that I'm sure that point is going to um, be made crystal clear in the next um, uh, few days. The, the final thing to note, and this is a, a big um, change, is the initial JobKeeper uh, scheme and, and JobKeeper 2.0 has always been just for employees that were employed as of um, the 1st of March 2020. Um, and if you, were, if you were a casual employee, you would have had to have been employed for um, uh, uh, a year um, prior to the 1st of March 2020 on a regular and systematic um, basis. But for full-time and part-time employees, it would be enough that you were just being employed on the 1st of March 2020 to um, be eligible for the JobKeeper subsidy. Um, the government has now announced that uh, JobKeeper 2.0 is going to be um, uh, paid for employees that were employed on the 1st of July 2020. So um, there is going to be a, a new bunch of employees that, that will be eligible for it for the um, first time. Um, what isn't clear yet is how this relates to um, casual employees. Do, does this mean that as of the 1st of July, they'll, they'll have, have to have been employed for a year on a regular and systematic basis? We're, we're, we're not sure about that. Um, the other thing which, which still, I think, needs to be explained is how the two tiers of, of payment um, rules um, will um, be affected by this. So you might recall for JobKeeper 2.0, there is, there is a kind of two levels of payment, a higher and a, a lower level. And the, um, the basis which you work out what sort of payment your employee will get is by looking at the average of hours they worked in February 2020. If it was um, uh, less than um, 20 hours per week on average in February 2020, they would get the lower payment and, and uh, 20 or above, uh, they will get higher um, payment. Whether we are still to use the um, uh, you know, whether there will be a new date whereby um, uh, we look at the hours that have worked because, um, you know, uh, we are going to have employees in the scheme that were employed on the 1st of July, so they won't have been employed in, in February. How, how that's all going to fit together, we're, we're not um, sure. So there is still a lot more information to um, come, but um, I think that's, that's probably... Uh, all I can say on, on what has been announced uh, to date. Um, so I guess, you know, stay tuned. EI and EI Legal will, of course, be, be um, putting out more information as that uh, becomes available. Um, 
I should say JobKeeper is obviously a very important um, uh, help for, for employers in Australia in response to COVID. It, it's not the only assistance that is out there and um, there have been also some announcements uh, for Victorian employer, employers to uh, assist them with the um, new uh, restrictions. So there is a, a grant um, available. The um, Business Support Fund ha is, is, is a grant, a sort of one-off payment that's available to employers in Victoria, and that has been extended um, as a result of the new restrictions with, with some um, uh, higher payments available to employers in the metropolitan um, Melbourne area. So we will um, put a link to the relevant Business uh, Victoria website page, which talks through how that grant works. Um, that's been announced over the last few days, I think. Um, we also know, of course, um, that there is uh, assistance available for employees working in the aged care sector who, who have to isolate um, uh, one-off uh, payments, I think, uh, or, or, or certainly um, a type of payment available to employees working in that sector to um, help them if they are, um, they are needing to self-isolate. And we'll put some links up to that um, for people to have a look at if they need more information about that. Thank you so much, Simon. Um, we, we appreciate that it's a lot of information to take in and, you know, we are, EI and EI Legal are, are trying their best to keep across that and to disseminate as much information as possible. We will try and put some, uh, all of the relevant links in our, in our notes and Hopefully that will give you an opportunity to sort of to go through and, and read about these changes at, at your own pace. But please, uh, if you need some assistance, then please reach out to Employment Innovations. And as always, please reach out to us at info at eilegal.com.au and we would be more than happy to assist you. We should mention before we wrap up as we always do that the information included in the podcast is general in nature and isn't uh meant to be legal advice so if you do need that uh specific legal advice please reach out to us we'd be delighted to help you um please reach out if you'd like to say hello or give us some feedback or if you'd like to suggest a topic for our next podcast so thank you again both to Alana and to Simon. I think that's all we have time for today and we will see you all next week for another episode of the Employment Law Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye.